right out of the gates, it is almost spring break. And I know for kids, this is a big moment where they finally get a little reprieve from the school year. But for parents as well, it's an opportunity to maybe just maybe take their kids away on vacation. And we like to fly. Oh, do we like to fly when it comes to getting away from this fine city? And YVR is always the hub. Well, for a majority of us that we utilize to get out of Dodge. To talk about the potential of nearly 900,000 travelers over the spring break week, I'm joined by Alyssa Smith, Communications Manager with YVR, Vancouver Airport Authority. Uh, Alyssa, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. How are you? I'm okay. And for you guys, obviously, it's the calm before the proverbial storm. What measures are being taken in advance of what I would call organized chaos at, uh, at YVR? Yeah, you said it. We're going to be busy over the next two weeks here as everyone jets off somewhere for their spring break travels. Um, here at YVR, we're ready, we're prepared. Uh, we've got our guest experience team here on the floor, green coat volunteers ready to go. Um, you know, this is the time of year where we're so excited to look forward to what's happening in the spring and the summer, and we're so ready to welcome travelers as they get to where they're going over the spring break period. What did you guys learn from the Christmas holidays that maybe you'll implement for the spring break? So certainly um, lots that we're doing as we moved through that holiday travel disruption. Uh, We did start an after action review. We have done comprehensive public engagement. Right now we're looking at all of the learnings from that process and and look forward to sharing more on that in the coming coming weeks. But certainly right now when we're focused on spring break, we're reminding travelers to really leverage the travel tech that's available to them to help them move through their journey that much more seamlessly. So I see travel tech talking about different apps and options that are available for people, um, starting off with folks who are traveling to the U.S. Uh, there's a new mobile passport control app that's coming out of USCBP. So folks who are traveling to the U.S. can upload their passport information before they even arrive at the airport and then save a little bit of time when they're traveling through that customs process here at YVR. And then similarly, if folks are returning back from an international destination, that ArriveCan app is still a thing. Um, you can use ArriveCan to enter your customs and immigration information in advance. So again, just saving a little bit of time when you're coming through that process through the airport. That is surprising to me. I did not know that that ArriveCan yeah. was still a, a part of the process. Can you maybe elaborate just a little bit more on the advantages of utilizing that? Sure. So it's it's a really easy app to use, and certainly most Canadians are familiar with the app from, from the travel restrictions that were in place uh, during the pandemic. Um, but right now, when you click on that app, what you'll see is an option right away to enter your customs and immigration information. So that's the same information that you would typically enter when you arrive at the airport into one of our kiosks. So by using the app to enter that information, you know, even when you're still on the plane or even when you're waiting at the airport before you get on your plane, to come back to YVR, um, you can fill that in and then you bypass that need to visit one of our kiosks and just head straight through uh, to the border clearance process. I want you to clear up some misconceptions for me, Alyssa, because one of the challenges that I face when I travel is every once in a while, certain things go wrong. It's the way that it is. And I'm not trying to have this interview with a glass half empty approach, but I'd rather make sure that people understand where they need to direct their attention to. For example, baggage seems to be an ongoing concern, not just at YVR, but across the country. It just seems to always be one of these stub toe moments for for travelers. Um, If something happens with baggage, Who are we looking at and what are usually the challenges that are faced? 
Yeah, so certainly, I mean, it's a team sport out here at YVR. Uh, we definitely work with a number of partners, um, including airlines and our agency partners, to all work together to get people to where they need to go. So certainly from a baggage perspective, if you find yourself in a situation where you arrive at your destination without your baggage, um, you certainly need to talk first and foremost to your airline. Uh, make sure that you're following up with them and getting the information you need to understand uh, where your bag is and what you need to do to be reunited with it. Um, but certainly also talk to someone here at the airport. Um, sometimes we've got some information um, or the ability to provide access to that airline in a different way, um, and we're happy to help. But from a baggage perspective, you know, certainly uh, we recommend that passengers connect with their airline first, um, and then certainly come to us if you're looking for any further information. And one of the other questions that I had for you, Alyssa, are traveling with children. Mm -hmm. Is that a concern for you guys? I mean, obviously, when I go to the airport, I feel safe. I see security. I know there's a bunch of checkpoints. But what does YVR do to make sure that children are safe when they're on, uh, when they're on your premises? Yeah, well, I mean, um, and certainly over the spring break, uh, uh, certainly over the spring break period, that's that's something top of mind. Um, you know, safety and security is top of mind for everything we do here at YVR. It's it's certainly a safe and secure place with all the different uh, represent, uh, representatives that are here at the airport. Um, so folks should feel safe when they're at the airport. Um, and then really for uh, for families and for kids, we've got a number of play areas throughout the airport. Um, you know, whether you're traveling internationally or domestically, um, there's always somewhere where you can, you know, let your kids run around and blow up a bit of steam on one of those play areas. And then definitely from, you know, a food and beverage and restaurant perspective, there's lots to choose from to keep folks um, full and to get snacks and drinks and things like that before you get on your flight to help keep your little ones entertained while they're in flight. Um, but folks should always feel safe here at the airport um, and then definitely utilize our play areas uh, if they've got kids who are looking to blow off steam. Are you going to be able to get away this break or are you going to have to be at work? Uh, for me, I don't have any uh, time off over the spring break period, but uh, certainly looking forward to maybe some time afterwards uh, once we get through this busy period. That's a good answer. You know what? Your, <laughs> your boss probably loves you for saying that, but I know it's a super busy time for you guys. And thank you for making time for me. I think it's just right for our listeners to be able to hear and just kind of get ready mentally for the, the process. I mean, you can only process so many people so quickly. I want people to show up at your airport patient, but more importantly, informed so that they can enjoy that experience. So you coming on the station today and just sharing even a couple of points with me is a big deal for me. So, Alyssa, thank you. Stop by again, would you? Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, Rob Fade for Jazz 334 here in Vancouver. Glad to have you along for the ride. Um, you know, it's funny, as a Tesla owner, <laughs> this is an interesting segment for me in the simple fact that I'm about to have a conversation with you about the fact that there are a couple of reports of steering wheels falling off the Tesla Y. Guess what kind of car my family owns? A Tesla Y. So to get to the bottom of said uh, troublesome thought is Jeremy Cato. Kind enough to join me, automotive journalist behind CatoCarDeGuy.com. Uh, Jeremy, good afternoon. Hi, nice to be here. Well, thank you for making time for me. And let's get right to the conversation piece. A couple of reports coming out south of the border that the Tesla Y, the 2023 model, has uh, some steering wheel challenges. Can you walk me through <laughs> what that could mean? Well, it's a production issue. And what is happening is that a number, and it looks like it's in the thousands of Model Ys, were sent out of the factory and into the dealer's, oh well, into the owner's arms, uh, without that nice little nut that holds the steering wheel in place. 
That's unbelievable. So we're not quite on the recall level yet, but obviously this is definitely a concern for TELUS, no? It's huge. And uh, the the U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is doing an investigation amongst many investigations of Tesla vehicles uh, for a whole host of things. Um, But this one, what makes it a bit tricky is that the, the steering wheels haven't come off until people have actually tried to use them in, on the road um, because there's some, there, there is some uh, an element of, of the uh, steering wheel sticking in place without the nut, which, which if you've ever taken a positive steering wheel, which I have, a, a car, you know, you stick it on and it looks like it's going to stay, but then when you try <laughs> to turn around uh, in your driveway, then off the steering wheel comes in your hand or perhaps in a more dangerous situation. So this is one of the many problems that Tesla is having now that it's a real car company, you know, selling not five cars or 50 cars or a couple of thousand cars, but in the millions. And this is, this is, this is the history of car companies. I think the logic uh, right now is, and you hit it just right at the end there is, you know what, everybody goes through growing pains when you go to that scale but I think the challenge that certain people in the public face is the fact that this is Elon Musk, a super polarizing figure. <laughs> Some would say he turned his back on Tesla in its moment of growth. Uh, is there any connection between maybe his aloofness and the challenges that they're facing today? Well, you know, St. Elon um, has, uh, you know, been distracted <laughs> by a couple of things. One, uh, of course, is, uh, you know, he sends rockets into the sky at one of his companies and he has a, you know, he's he's helping supply Ukraine with the Internet power and Internet uh, transmission. And, and, oh, and he bought something called Twitter. Um, and uh, that's a big mess. And that was a $44 billion expense. And uh, he's fired half the staff there. Uh, so I think uh, I think St. Elon is a little distracted by a number of other things. But the bigger issue, Rob, I, you know, I've been covering the car business for 35 years. And the complexity of running a global car company, I don't think even St. Elon has um, appreciated. You know, it's an international business that he's running now. He's busy opening factories, a second factory in Shanghai. They've just opened a factory in, in uh, Austin, Texas. They um, just opened a factory in, in Germany. And, you know, it's a global business that went from selling, you know, a couple of hundred thousand cars a few years ago to more than a million now a year and it's the complexity of this is amazing because not only do you have to attract customers and um and and keep the the interest in the product coming but you have to keep a product cadence going models need to be updated you need to change them so that they you know that buyers want to buy new versions of that model then you have to meet regulatory standards and you have to meet safety standards and you have to support the buyers group that you have out there so when you're selling a few cars that's pretty easy to do when you're selling millions of cars, then you've got to support all those buyers in all those different places all over the world. His stock is down $9 today. I shouldn't say his stock, but <laughs> Tesla stock down $9 today to one seventy two ninety two U.S. He was also going to move to Mexico, if memory serves me correct. He's opening up a plant down there. Is, there, is this strictly cost-saving, or is he trying to be anti-government? Uh, a little bit of both, if you if you believe uh, his uh, pronouncements on, on Twitter. Um, Monterey, Mexico is where they're planning to do a new factory. Uh, that's that's quite a few years away. Um, but again, what what car companies try to do is build factories where they where they either have low cost or that's where the customers are. So obviously, it makes sense to open a second factory in Shanghai because this China is the largest car market in the world. It makes sense to open a factory in Germany 
because um, the European Union is the third largest car market in the world. And it makes sense to open a factory in Mexico because Mexico is part of the North American Free Trade Agreement, but wages are a lot less uh, in Mexico, yet there's a very high-quality uh, automotive workforce there. So you kind of follow where the market is and where your costs are. Jeremy, before I let you go, you've got a week for spring break. What car are you renting? What car, what automobile are you taking on the open road for a week? I, I was just checking out CatoCarGuy.com, but I don't know if it would be a Range Rover. What would you be taking? Uh, if I were going on a road trip right now, uh, I mean, I would I would love to take a, a Model S on a road trip. But right now, I think probably a Rivian SUV, uh, which is a, kind of the new uh, one of the new sexy electric vehicles. Terrific, terrific uh, uh, looking vehicle. And I haven't yet had a chance to test drive one. And I, I have to confess here, I've actually taken most of the day off to go skiing at Whistler. And parked right next to me in the parking lot is a Rivian pickup truck. No way. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, hmm, maybe I'll just wait around. For, I'll leave my business card on the owner's venture <laughs> wipe because I want to get some receipt time in that thing. So, you know, there's so many new models coming, Rob, uh, especially on the electric side, which is, of course, another issue for, um, for Tesla. Tesla, and yes. one I'm going to test very shortly, which I am also excited about, is the new Ford Lightning electric pickup. I would love to hear this. So hopefully you can come back and talk about it because pickup to me and electric vehicles is really where my question mark lies because uh, we have a Tesla and it's got some pep. There's no doubt about it. But can that same torque uh, be brought through in a, in a pickup truck? I'd be very curious to know what your thoughts are on that. Let's do it. I'm, I'm very excited myself. Look forward to it. Well, hey, uh, ski straight and get back in one piece and uh, we'll talk very soon. Thank you for the time today. Thank you. Nice to chat with you. Earlier today, we were talking about uh, our thoughts for spring break. Where would we go? You know, like, do we go to the hot destinations where we can get a little sun? Do we go to Vegas where we can light the world on fire for a couple of days? Or do we go away and just get some gentle reprieve? All are good options, depending on where you want to go. And, of course, price and, of course, availability and all that kind of stuff. To break it down and talk about maybe some of the uh, smarter places to go or affordable places to go or popular places to go, Robert McDowell, founder of Pivot Travel, an affiliate of Fair Connect, joins me here on CKNW. Robert, good afternoon. Hey, Rob. Good to be here. Well, before we get into the most affordable and the ones that families and individuals are seeming to go, where would you go? I mean, where would I go? I would uh, probably, that's a good question. I think I'd go to Bangkok. I'd go to Thailand. Ooh. Nonstop flight, nonstop flight, and you get on that. And once you get there, you know, prices are very reasonable, and it's a fantastic uh, place to go. As a guy that has Beaches, been there, yes. Culture, everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. $2 beer. Place to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. But gosh, you know, with California, uh, with Mexico, with uh, Hawaii, they're all just chock-a-block. I've never seen them so busy. It's expensive to get to those traditional kind of places, and, and uh, we really have to stretch our imagination a bit. Well, Robert, here's I, I, full disclosure. I just came back from Phoenix, I guess, what, four days ago now, and it was a little colder than I thought. I saw what was going on in California. I said, you know what, let's pick somebody uh, somewhere different. We went to Phoenix. It was cold. I, I've, as the world changes and, you know, chaos ensues in certain portions of it, is there a is there a can't miss place where you just know you're going to be able to go and it's going to be affordable and a good time? Like, where would you say is an unturned rock that maybe we could find a great experience in? 
There's some fantastic places in the south of us. You know, it, I know most people have been to Cancun, Puerto Vallarta. What about Huatulco down in Mexico, but also further afield, getting down to uh, Costa Rica. Costa Rica is fantastic. It's it's safe. Uh, it's it's a very um, established democracy, and you can you can really enjoy yourself there. Do you find that maybe um, there, like the news coming out of Mexico with the four tourists and stuff? You're a person that has the finger right on the pulse of that. Does that sway? Like, do you see physical numbers uh, change when you see reports like that come north? Completely. All you have to look at is the pricing. And you look at places like Mazatlan, which had the troubles a few months ago. Um, they're probably, you know, you could still get a, an affordable place to stay in Mazatlan this week. Um, so there is space available there and there's flights there, too. So, yes, you really have to decide on your, on your level of, of comfort with going to these kind of places. But in terms of pricing and availability, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's something you got to consider. It does. It, it has to be considered. I'm a guy that now all of a sudden my kids are too old to take to Disneyland. I mean, I guess you're never too old yeah. to go to Disneyland, but it used to be more wide-eyed and excitement. Um, for families right now, obviously, pennies, everybody's trying to save them as much as possible. Uh, where would you recommend perhaps a family of four looking at aside from a Disneyland? I mean, you can certainly go closer, closer to town. The trains are, have started up this week. Uh, the Amtrak morning train, it gets down to Portland and Seattle. If you're comfortable with either of those places, those cities are, you know, they've been through a lot during COVID and they haven't fully recovered, but they're certainly affordable and uh, there's a, still a lot to do in, in both Seattle and, and Portland. Or think of Vancouver Island. There's still a lot to do in Vancouver Island. Get down to Victoria, up to Nanaimo, get over to, to Tofino. How is the cruise industry bouncing back, or has it bounced back yet? You know, it's interesting because we look at all-inclusives, which have really been hit by, uh, by supply chain, by inflation. Costs are up about 20%. But we see cruising has really um, maintained their pricing. So uh, they're still really affordable. And the kind of people that would have gone to an all-inclusive are now looking at cruising as a, as a real alternative because of that pricing. So, yeah, but again, you have to decide what kind of risk you're going you're gonna to live with. Um, there, there's, you know, COVID still exists, whether we don't want to think about it, but uh, it's still out there. So it depends on how comfortable you are. And the cruise lines have really adapted to, to the situation. They always have been pretty good with norovirus and everything else. So they understand how it works, keeping everybody healthy on the on board. So uh, certainly people are starting to look at cruising again, and they haven't for the last couple of years. I, I was going to say, seeing some of the nightmare stories from COVID would have probably shied me away, but you, you mentioned it. Sometimes the, the fastest industry to pivot is that particular one because they can make those adjustments on the fly. And I'd like to hope that they bounce back because I think that benefits Vancouver as well. Does it not? Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, with all the numbers of ships that are coming out of, uh, of Vancouver uh, this summer, it's really going to be important to our industry, to our tourism industry, definitely. Uh, one more question for you, Robert, and I do appreciate this time. I want, we just had a, a fine lady on an hour ago about YVR. They're going to welcome about 900, maybe just shy of 900,000 patrons through their doors right. over the next week or so. Um, that's a big number. Is there anything advice-wise that you can give to a potential flyer, somebody that's going to be going up in the air, as to how they can take some pressure off when they go to the airport, make their flights, and make sure that everything goes well during their vacation? 
There's no doubt there's a number of things you can do. I mean, first of all, before you get to the airport, double check your kids' passports and make sure they haven't expired. Yes. It's surprising how many people get to the airport and realize that their <laughs> their kids' passports are come and do. But otherwise, you know, YVR has a great express. Uh, you can It's yvr.ca slash express where you can sign up for free up to 72 hours for security access. That's for people who don't have Nexus cards, so can't use the priority access for security. So get your spot, book it ahead of time. Um, make sure you have the app of whatever airline you have and put your boarding pass on the app. But having done that, definitely print out your boarding passes and have them printed as well. So you have it on the app just in case there's any changes. You can quickly adapt and get a new boarding pass on the app. But have it printed out so you don't have to fumble around on your phone, especially if you have kids. You know, um, that's always an issue. Um, well, yeah. Robert, so, I wanted to say, you know, if you ever had the itch to go away, you, all you have to do is go to pivottravel.ca and see some of your galleries that you have. You have some beautiful pictures out there, some great information. Oh, yeah. I do appreciate all this information you've provided to me. Let's uh, let's talk again, shall we? That's great. That's great. Appreciate it, Rob. You know, when it comes to grocery shopping, especially for families, you're always wanting to make sure that if you are going to buy some, you know, junk food, quote unquote, that at least it's got some nutritional value. It's not always just about discounts. You want to make sure that at least what you're putting in the lunchbox of your kids has some value for them over the course of the day and for yourself as well. I know I focus on the kids, but it's for everybody in the family. But the question becomes labeling and how do you read them and where do you find food that can actually benefit you on the shelves right now. I mean, this is top of mind as we hear what's going on in Ottawa and price gouging and who's making the profits and all that. But let's get back down to things that matter because your health matters. That is what is more than anything else. That's the currency of the day. And for that, we go to St. Paul's Hospital, kind enough to be joined by Danny Renouf. Danny, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure to have you. And uh, with your expertise, I'm going to get right into it. I'm always wondering if what I'm buying on the shelves is truly nutritional. We talk about hidden things within the labeling, but how do I ever delve through all of the numbers, all of the labeling to truly find something that's going to be good for my family and good for myself? That's a great question. So when you're shopping, and I'm talking down the aisles, right? Because if you're shopping around the perimeter, the likelihood of label reading is lower. You've got all your fresh produce, you've got your you know, meat, dairy, etc. But once you go down the aisles, then you're getting into the packaged product. So the first thing people tend to do is look at the front of the package, and if it says something like high in nutrition or nutritious, then they might buy it. But you really do have to flip over the packaging. And you don't have to spend a lot of time label reading, but it is so important to take a minute and do label reading, especially for sodium. Per serving, which is on the white nutrition label, you want to aim for less than 10% sodium. You want to make sure that what you're buying has at least 2 grams of fiber or more. And you also want to aim for sugar content that's as close to zero as possible. You want to avoid things that say trans fats because those types of fats are not so good for our heart health. But otherwise, you know, when it comes to fun foods and, you know, those party foods, you know, it's sometimes nice just to let go and enjoy yourself too, right? So if these are everyday foods, packaged foods that you're buying, you may need to look at things more closely, work with a dietitian or a healthcare professional to help you choose. 
But overall, if you're having a good Friday night event, it's okay to let go and enjoy some of these, uh, you know, kind of junk foods, as you call them, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I always think to myself, if I can just think outside of the box, no pun intended, there's probably (laughs) some lessons to be seen around the world. I know that you've lived in a number of different places, be it, uh, you know, in Europe or even south of the border in the United States. Have you ever in your travels seen somebody do it right or something that maybe Canada could pick up on as far as a trend that works? This is such a wonderful question. And I think, you know, I think we can do it well. I think we need to slow down. You know, a lot of times we're rushing. We're just trying to get through our day. And food is kind of like a happy side effect of the day. It's not really the main attraction. And so I think we can take a bit of control over our are the time we spend eating, right? And be really in the driver's seat about where we choose to eat, what we choose to eat, and just take a bit of a pause. I think countries that do that well, where they take their lunch break, they're not eating at their desk at the same time as, you know, shooting off emails to 10 people. They're taking a minute to relax, um, even eating in the open air. I know Vancouver is, uh, you know, Vancouver, but mm-hmm. we can be creative around that and just spend a bit of time outside while we enjoy our our lunch or have our coffee break. You brought up a really good point, and I want to really see if we can explore this briefly. Eating in your car, transit dieting, um, Mm -hmm. this is almost impossible. I could not be more guilty of it if I tried, because Mm -hmm. the reality is, is in today's two-job world where you're trying to make Mm -hmm. ends meet, the time Mm -hmm. to eat is whenever you can find it. How do we avoid that? Well, good for you, number one, for eating, because some people just skip the meal altogether if they're commuting. So good for you for eating something. You know what? If you can spare just five to ten minutes to pull over your car and just focus on eating rather than driving and eating at the same time, um, it would be great. But if you can't, you know, you're still eating, you're still nourishing. I think that's that's something to be, you know, commended because a lot of people will just skip the meal altogether and might work through the day without eating and then eat later in the day, which isn't something that we want. The other thing is you don't really have to have like a perfect breakfast. It can be a couple of snacks, a piece of fruit here, um, maybe a sandwich there. It all kind of works towards a good um, nutritional balance by the end of the day. So it doesn't have to be perfect. It just kind of has to be things that, that are easy for you to make, that are less processed, that you can assemble at home and that you're eating. And, and so I think it's good that you're eating, even though you're commuting at the same time. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to bear my soul to you here because I think we're on the right track with this. And I think a lot of people can probably relate in some way, shape or form. I wake up in the morning and it's just as much a mental challenge as it is the physical element of eating. And I say to myself, you know what, damn it, this is going to be the day where I get to the end of the day and had a perfect diet. Everything checked the boxes and I'm ready to go. And then I slip up at lunch and I'm like, ah, we'll get them tomorrow. And mm-hmm. then that just becomes comes a rip- I swear they're going to engrave that on my tombstone, you know, we'll get them tomorrow. <laughs> How do you reset mentally if you mm-hmm. have decided to take a little bit of a liberty with your diet? Great. This is such a deep question and it requires a lot of exploration, but to keep it simple, we need to tap into what motivates you. What is it about, um, you know, the health 
kind of picture that motivates you, and it could be just the one small step that you take. It might be getting um, uh, some breakfast items together the night before so that when you wake up, it's ready for you and you can visualize it when you open the fridge. I know my husband's this way. If the oatmeal is ready to go and it's in the fridge, he <laughs> yes. will take it out, right? So, so make it easy on yourself and be compassionate with yourself that, you know, even that small step you took, maybe you just had a smoothie in the morning and that's not maybe a complete meal, but at least you had something that was quick and easy. It's a, it's a really good start. And once you start getting some wins, like I say, the low hanging fruit, right, or those easy wins, then that's going to motivate you to want to take a next step further and build on that, which is so important. Our culture is so all or nothing. And I tell you, nutrition is the opposite. It's all those beautiful spaces in between that make the difference. Your positivity just radiates through the radio. <laughs> I feel like tomorrow's going to be a new day, and the information you've left me with is outstanding. Ms. Renouf, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, and best wishes. Best wishes for your health. <laughs> I hope so. And yours as well. We'll do this again. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right, there she is. Up Faith filling in for Jazz. Coffee Gate has gripped our office over the last couple of hours. Luckily, I'm just the filling guy, so... After this show, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to get my coffee and life resumes. But I do want you to settle a debate for us because I just posted this on my Twitter, at Rob Fay, R-O-B-E-F as in Frank, A-I. Let's say your work no longer off- offers the coffee option because a lot of us will pass by the restaurants or the you know fast food places. We'll come to work. We'll you know do the drip coffee and off we go to you know get the job done. But in the event that you had to stop off on the way to work and get said black drip coffee, where do you stop to get it? This was, okay, so full disclosure, Ryan and Steven and I, we had this conversation just before we came on air. Did we not, gentlemen? We did. None of us picked the same destination. No, we did not. So the options are McDonald's, Tim Hortons, Starbucks, or other, as you do in most polls, so, Stephen, I'll start with you. Okay. Where would you stop? You know what, Rob? I like to go to McDonald's for my fast food coffee. The reason being is because it's only $1. And I think that's good enough for me. As long as it's cheap and as long as it's doable, it keeps me awake. I'm fine with that. Ryan? Well, you know what, Rob? I like to go to Tim Hortons because, one, it's convenient. You can always find a Tim Hortons. Two, it's not that expensive. It's not as pricey as Starbucks. And three, I've been doing it for probably the majority of my adult life going to, to Tim Hortons. and I don't really know anything else. But for a ta- are we going because of economy or are we going because of taste? We're doing both, I would say. I actually don't really? mind the Tim Hortons coffee. In fact, m- the majority of the time, I go for the steep tea at Tim Hortons. You're so fancy. I am. I, I, I thought it was a no-brainer. Like, I, and, and we had a couple of people walk past us as we were having the conversation, and most everybody agreed with me that it was Starbucks. You know, you got the Pike Place, you got the roast, all that you know, different stuff. It, it makes me feel like a bit of a snob for saying it. But the reality is, is if it cost me an extra dollar or two, maybe over the course of the year I would change my tune, but the reality is, is I'm willing to pay to play. McDonald's, while it's a dollar, cool, but you're getting a coffee that's a dollar. I don't know. Tim Hortons is cool because they do put the time on their coffee, so it's always fresh. That, that's a benefit. Uh, well, Rob, I will say that Tim Hortons coffee kind of does taste like water. So, But you're drinking McDonald's. You're drinking coffee water, man. 
But McDonald's, it's the same thing. Oh, what is, what is coffee, coffee water? Is it coffee, coffee water? Oh, okay, <laughs> fine, fair. Uh, well, <laughs> I hate your eye. Well, no, I just, uh, okay, so very early returns, and Stephen, you're going to love this. Uh-huh. 47% of the poll says McDonald's. See? I, I'm shocked that in Vancouver that that's what we're getting back. Starbucks coming in at second, just shy of 24%. Tim Hortons at 14 and other at 14 as well. I'm, I'm surprised. I thought this was going to be a landslide, easy peasy victory for, you know, Mr. Green and White, Mr. Starbucks, but uh, I don't know. Well, the thing about the Starbucks coffee, Rob, is well, how much does it cost for a regular black coffee? About what? Four bucks-ish? But McDonald's is a dollar. You save $3, and that $3 could be used for your gas, for your daily expenses, for your groceries, especially in this economy. I mean, hello. You Ooh, save $3, okay. Rob. So you, you don't buy for quality or taste. You buy to save the $3. If I'm content with the taste and I save the money, it's good enough. You know what? I will say, I don't think I've ever seen Stephen with a McDonald's coffee. I'm sorry, sir. Are you calling me out right now? A little bit. Okay. Whenever I see you in the office, it's usually either A&W or Tim Hortons. Well, I will say that because Ooh. of where we're located, McDonald's is a bit further and sometimes cardio is not my best friend. But that's if also I were kind to of go my anywhere else, not going to McDonald's. That's fair. But if I were to go anywhere else, I would say McDonald's if it's not too far from us. Hmm. I'll say about Starbucks, though, for an iced beverage, I would rather go to Starbucks, although you can't really beat an ice cap. Starbucks's coffee frap kind of is a close second, but it's still a little bit. OK, pricier, it, you know? we could go down the whole rabbit hole with this. We're yeah, just there's, talking there's good old fashioned black coffee. Tim Hortons. But I will say that if you ice coffee, McDonald's is pretty doggone good. Me. No? Bueller? Me. Oh, that's interesting. Me. Okay. All I've right. Never, if I'm going iced coffee, I would probably go the Starbucks. You're going to go with your iced steep tea? <laughs> I've never tried. You know what? I know what I'm doing after the show now, Rob. Are you actually? I want a video. I want proof that you did sure. that. I'll go down and I'll ask and I'll see what kind of look that they give me. Yeah, well, you know the look that they're going to give you. They're like, like come really? on, buddy. That's going to take us at least five minutes. I will wait for the hmm. five minutes. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know, update about, by the way, these are the kind of polls that get the most traction by far. We're getting phone calls about this stuff. You know what? We should do the buzz line for this. I think this is a perfect buzz line question. What coffee do you go and get? Like if work took out the old uh, coffee machine, they're like, you're on your own. Where would you go to get your black drip coffee? McDonald's, Timmy Ho's, Starbucks, or other I'm okay for other as well. Let's go to the mean streets of Delta, where Kathy with a K is waiting for us. Kathy, good afternoon. Oh, hi there. Um, I just had to call about this because you were saying about McDonald's that it's, uh, you know, dollar and it's dollar coffee. I totally disagree. McDonald's coffee is, um, I believe it's Seattle's best coffee. um, And it's actually really good. It's, It's bold and smooth. Um, unlike Starbucks, which it quite often can be quite bitter, um, I find. Kathy, and, by the way, I, I want you to know that Stephen is moonwalking on the other side of the studio right now. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. It's probably because of the coffee, but I digress. So you no, got you, your vote is for uh, for McDonald's coffee. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. No, it's good coffee. All right, yeah. all right, Kathy. I'll take your word for it. The fact that every once in a while we got to turn our clocks forward, we got to turn our clocks back, and we usually just kind of complain and moan about it because, you know, it's about sleep. But there's something else I want you to take into consideration. 
Could turning your clocks forward actually affect road safety? And what are the risks associated with it? You're in your car right now. You're driving around. Maybe you're stalled on the 99. You're going over the Portman, wherever you are. This is a thing. So Trace Akers is kind enough to join me. He's Program Director for Road Safety at Work. Trace, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. Well, I wouldn't have thought of this, which is why bringing you on is great because you can enlighten me and I'm sure a number of listeners. I just always assume that when we're pushing the clocks forward or we're taking an hour off the clock that it's all about sleep. But driving and the safety of us on the roads, that's also a piece of this puzzle. Well, uh, the sleep or the lack thereof can uh, result in a number of fatigued drivers being out on the road. So one of the potentially dangerous consequences of the time change is that we're going to have a bunch of drivers out on the road on Monday and Tuesday, maybe even on Wednesday, that haven't had as much sleep as they usually had. And uh, we know that tired drivers can be forgetful drivers. They can be less patient. Uh, They're less able to accurately judge distances, speed, and time. So uh, driving is certainly one of those areas that uh, we need to think about during the, uh, the days following the time change. I've always wondered, you know, an analytic aside, because I'm sure there's analytic to back up that statement, but I've always wondered, you know, when you first get into your car and you're groggy and you're trying to find your way and you, you, you think the hour doesn't make a difference, but it really does. If maybe the first five to 10 minutes isn't where these accidents happen or these poor decisions take place as you're trying to get your bearings. Again, I, I'm not asking you to tell me, you know, categorically that this happens in the first 10 minutes, but it usually takes me as a person a few minutes to get my bearings on days like this. Well, not only in the morning uh, when, you know, maybe that first cup of coffee or steep tea hasn't uh, quite ah, kicked in yet. Very nice, um, Trace. But, uh, <laughs> but also uh, the afternoon when we've now spent a full day at our shift or in the office and uh, you know, we're a little fatigued at the end of the day. And if you haven't had that full night's sleep that you did the night or the night before or in the days previous, uh, that can make things even worse, especially during this time of the day in the afternoon rush hour when you've got so many cars out on the road. Uh, you've got some potentially um, um, fatigued drivers out there. Um, it's, it is a recipe that uh, can lead to more crashes, and uh, certainly there is evidence in the United States that shows that uh, during or after, in the days after a time change, um, there's one study that we've seen that says uh, crashes increase by about 6% uh, in, uh, compared to weeks on the other side. It doesn't sound like when you say it is 6%, it doesn't sound like a lot, but six out of every 100, all of a sudden, you know, you do the math on that and that adds up quickly. Trace, are you one of those that doesn't mind putting the clock back an hour and pushing it forward? Or do you want to see that just get abolished and we just get to one clock year round? Well, it's not really up to road safety at work to advocate one way or another. Our our real aim is uh, whatever the circumstances are, uh, we're trying to get programs and information out there to help keep uh, drivers safe on the road, in particular workers who need to drive uh, uh, for their jobs to keep them safe. Yeah, I, I think for me... The more I learn about this, the more I think to myself, I'm okay if they just take it away. Again, I know you can't speak on behalf of your organization, but I just, I sit back. The one challenge that I would have is I love driving home. It's one of my favorite parts of the day. I get to unwind from a day at work or whatever I'm doing. But the sun, as it sets, all of a sudden you push that clock an hour forward and now sun sets directly in my line of sight right during rush hour. Again, we're talking little details here, but that's also something you got to take into consideration. 
Well, it's definitely something you have to get used to. I guess one of the advantages at this time of the year uh, is that we'll all, or most of us, will be driving home from work in daylight as opposed to in in dark. So uh, you're absolutely right. You know, the environment changes because now you're in light. You may be dealing with uh, with the sun setting right into your, your line of vision. So, yeah, things are different. You have to take into consideration that you're probably going to be a little bit more tired. You haven't had as much sleep. One of the things as well is that, hey, for the, the, the couple of days following the chime change, Maybe don't or put off that uh, running those errands after your after your shift, mm-hmm. and and just get home safely uh, rather than trying to jam too much stuff into the end of your day. That's great advice. I, I appreciate that, Trace. Uh, short and sweet, but thank you for all that information. I think that's something that we just put into our psyche, and especially that last point. You know, maybe just put it off a day, let your body get acclimatized, and so you can uh, be firing on all cylinders when you get back behind that wheel. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.